Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. This is Histories of the Unexpected. He's the famous historical adventurer Dr Sam Willis. And he's Professor Extraordinaire of Early Modern British History at Plymouth University. He is Professor James Daybell. And we are your hosts for Histories of the Unexpected. Each week we discuss a surprising object oozing with unexpected historical significance. And this week it's hair. Which is all about the Duke of Wellington and the great man in history. And for me, it's all about scalping. If you like what you hear, please leave us a review on iTunes, subscribe to the podcast and tell all of your friends. We're on Twitter. You can follow me at Dr. Sam Willis. And you can follow me at James Daybell. We're proud to be part of the excellent History Hit Network, home of Dan Snow's History Hit and other great shows coming soon. And you can find out more about what we've got planned in the forthcoming months, show notes, video clips, photos of everything we discuss and much, much more at historyhit.com forward slash unexpected. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode six of Histories of the Unexpected, where we will be audio googling through history, exploring the history of things that you didn't even know had a significant history to tell, like the history of the smile. Why does everyone frown in Victorian portraits? The bookmark or the ice cream? And we'll be following the links in our minds as we come across them, explaining how everything has a history and, crucially, how those histories link in unexpected ways. Who knew, for example, Sam, that the history of the cod piece was intricately linked to the Reformation? Not me. Not you. <laughs> um, we'll, we'll, we'll make that link in another, in another podcast. Or the abbreviation is all about information, bureaucracy and empire. Ah, oh, that sounds great. The man sitting opposite me is a man whose cranium is full of chronicles. It's <laughs> Professor James Daybell. And the man sitting opposite me is the authority of the archives. It's Dr. Sam Willis. And together we will be piloting you on this uncharted, frankly highly dangerous flight into the past. We have no idea where we're going, no idea where we will end up. Each week one of us will take the lead and this week it's James's turn. So, Willis, are you ready for it? Are you strapped in? I'm strapped in. Okay, this week's topic is, and this is much in the press at the moment with Boris Johnson and Donald Trump, 
hair. <laughs> when, I, when I say the history of hair to you, what do you think? Off oh, the top of your head. Well, now you've just mentioned Boris and Donald, so I'm thinking notable hair. So I'm thinking fashion, I'm thinking hairstyles, I'm thinking Elvis Presley. I'm thinking the way the way people look and the way they are perceived, how interesting that is. Then I suppose you've got the eye you've got this kind of obsession with not having hair, cures for baldness, oh. I'm going into, and how that links into the history of innovation. And well, actually, one of my favourite parts of the British Library is where you can go and you can, you can look up all the patents. So you can see what people were inventing at any one time in, in their lives. I I've, I've haven't been there to look at the uh, patents for baldness cures but I bet they're absolutely amazing you can search them by initial so the name of the inventor or the type of invention and you can search them according to date and um, it is I would urge you all to go to the British Library and find the patent rolls because they're brilliant brilliant someone needs to publish them this is linked intricately to the history of masculinity to male vanity, yeah. uh, all of those kinds of things. Right, now, the example that I have for you is slightly different. It's looking at hair as a historical artefact. Mm. It's looking at hair as relic. I've got an example here for you. What do you see here? <laughs> that is an envelope with um, some beautiful handwriting, very 18th century. The ink has faded to a, a sort of lovely chocolatey brown. It's written in a nice hand. Um, like a kind of secretary's hand, isn't it? And it yep. says, the Duke of Wellington's hair. Okay, so there's an anecdote connected to this. Picture this date, and the date is important. 18th of June, 2015, I took a research trip to the Bodleian Library in Oxford, was sitting in their wonderful new manuscript room, working on a new book that I'm writing at the moment called The Family and Materials of Memory, very quick plug for that, um, and I was calling up at random all sorts of materials from the manuscript catalogue. And I was leafing through the North Papers, North Aristocratic Family, and I came across a, a reference to a, a box. And I, I don't want to go down that line because we'll be talking about boxes uh, at another time. So I ordered up this box and I was leafing through all the materials in there. There were letters, there were pressed flowers, all sorts of things. And it belonged to lady, uh, a Lady North. Um, and in it, I came across this tiny envelope, which you see before you. This How is, small is it? This is magnified. It is, it's literally about, um, about an inch by about two, two inches. Okay. okay. So I opened it up. Uh, it said Duke of Wellington's hair. And I thought... Oh, what have I found? You know, this is, this is incredible. And inside was a tiny slip of paper, which you've got before you here, which reads, Duke of Wellington's hair saved by his valet before he died. Ah. Okay, so I took that, I, I, I opened that up, and this was what I found. I opened it up, and in it were the sort of translucent hair shavings that had obviously been taken and preserved as a relic of this great man. Yeah, um, and it's in a sort of one of those lovely 18th century homemade envelopes yes. where, they, where yes. they, they get a rectangular piece of paper and they, they fold it four or five ways so that it, it folds up. I always love those, they're really yes. clever. And then if you open it up, um, the, the paper kind of creates 
side, so it's like a little yeah. tray, and inside yeah. that little tray yeah. are lots of strands of it almost looks like fishing line, very very clear, um, clear hair from yeah. from I, I was expecting it to be brown. No, it, it they're they're almost sort of you know sort of grey white hairs that have been that have been shaved off. And when I, when I saw this, there were two things ran through my mind: should I just stand up? And shout! In the, I have the, the Duke of Wellington's hair. But I was also worried that I would sneeze. <laughs> would suddenly go everywhere. Ooh. So I, as, as as every good historian does nowadays, I, I I took digital images of it and captured it and folded it up and and put it back. But the significance of this did you write in twi- on Twitter in capital? And I, and I have I, the Duke I, of Wellington's Then I was on then I was on Facebook. <laughs> and I got, lot, shouts I got lots of likes that that day about it. <laughs> But 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 I think I think there there are several sort of significances about this. I went home and talked to a Victorian Victorianist colleague of mine, and he said that basically when Wellington was discovered dead, he was completely bald, and relic hunters had gone in and he'd just basically been scalped. Huh. So so the idea was that basically people because he's such an important British figure connected to history, connected to Waterloo. The idea was that you would go, you you would want a piece of him, mm. you'd want a piece of his hair as a as as a as a form of memory, as a as a kind of as a sort of relic of him. But also, when I got home, um, I realised the significance of the date. It was the two hundred year anniversary. The day you found the hair. Literally, the day I found the hair, wow. which was really it was really quite creepy. I almost felt that you know the great man had been, you know communing through the centuries. I'm not a superstitious person, but it was it was it was uncanny. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely um, uncanny. And it's interesting, I mean that's a tiny little envelope, right? And it's got a scattering of hairs in it. Yeah. But it's actually it's a very old philosophical problem which has been engaging people for ages. The question is, how many hairs do you have on your head? It's brilliant because um, we both have a, an okay head of hair. A full head of hair. A full thick <laughs> head of hair. Um, but we don't have one hair and I probably haven't got 80 million, but I might have somewhere in between. And early mathematicians used this issue of hair to actually, actually deal with estimating numbers on a vast scale. And so if you think about someone's hair, you think, well, I mean... How many of those envelopes, do you reckon, did it take to scalp Wellington? <laughs> I mean, are there a thousand of them, or are there 20? I've no idea. I've no idea. It's a really interesting question. And also, how, how, did, they get, how did they get out? You know, you've, saved by his, by his valet. You know, there's this idea that the man has basically got a, you know, a, a, a sort of hoard of this man's hair. Yeah. Is he selling it? Who's he giving it to? How does it this end up in in the North manuscripts yeah. in the in in the Bodleian Library? I think that the the line that I that I line that I'm sort of thinking about is the way in which you know it's significant about whose hair it is. Yeah, this is a great man in history. It's connected to him. When it's like the saints and relic yeah, hunting yeah, and absolutely. people keeping absolutely and bones. Absolutely, um, it certainly reminds me of um, there was something in the news very recently about some hair that was discovered at Romsey Abbey. Right. Um, so it's a very, very early, uh, early, early abbey near Southampton. And um, there, there was a little... Have a look at this. So you've got a kind of coffin-shaped box. Yeah. 
in that is a, is a pillow, a kind of log of oak. And on the top of that is, well, you describe that. <clears throat> a sort of rather elaborate dark brown plait uh, that must be, ooh, maybe a foot long, maybe a little little longer than that. Yeah, so it's a, it's a, significant, it? it's a significant bit of hair. No one really knows. And there's bits of scalp attached to it. And mm. when it was discovered, there was also a finger bone. Um, but it had been buried in this wooden box inside a lead container. Um, imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Beneath the abbey floor. Right. And so um, the abbey um, dates back to the 10th century. Mm-hmm. Um, and when they opened it up, the, uh, the, the finger just went... And just, just vanished as the air came to it, right. apparently. So that's only part of whatever was there. Um, so archaeologists are now looking at that hair. Um, I think trying to work out whether it was indeed associated there were, there were two very important female saints associated with with, with Romsey Abbey um, they've carbon dated the kind of the, the the oak pillow and they've carbon dated the hair and it's somewhere in between the uh, the accession of Alfred the Great to the Norman conquest so kind of like a hundred years or so mm, mm. Um, so it's from the right period they don't know if it's a man's hair or a woman's hair but they do know and this is clever um, from testing the hair um, they can work out what you've been eating um, because Gosh. because of the, the properties of the hair. And they know that whoever's hair that was had a diet that was rich in fish, which means that they were probably linked to the nearby monastery where um, eating meat was strictly controlled. Goodness me. I mean, what, what's fascinating here is the way in which archaeologists, scientists are able to throw an awful lot of light on something like that to look at the provenance of it. I gave a paper recently at, in Tiverton Church for the Earl of Devon on one of his ancestors, uh, Gertrude Blunt, Marchioness of, of Exeter. And this was a woman who, fascinating character, gets involved in the, 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 the Nun of Kent scandal mm. in the, the time of, of Henry VIII. Those of you familiar with your Wolf Hall will know all about that. So I was just about to give a, give a stand up and give this talk. And the archivist, wonderful woman, uh, came up to me and she said, James, um, before you give, give the talk, I thought you'd be interested in this. And I said, oh, what have you got? And there, in front of her, were in a, in a sort of um, a plastic wallet, was a little, another envelope. And it was a lock of the Marchioness's hair mm. from the 1530s. 
you know, I mean, we have no idea whether it is actually authentic, but what's significant is the way in which a lock of hair like that was collected and then passed down the family in a sort of form of, of, of transmission. But I think what's also, what's, what's fascinating about this is the symbolism of hair. You know, and I suppose in, in you know, there are, this, this changes over time with different traditions and in different, in different cultures, but certain sort of primitive beliefs would, would suggest that owning a lock of somebody's hair was a way of, of controlling them or having power over them. Scalping somebody, ah, having, yes. having, having yeah. a trophy, would be a way of showing a form of, of dominance. You think about uh, Native American uh, scalp, scalping, yeah. for example, as a way of showing your, you know, as a, as a, as a brave warrior. Oh, what about monks? What's all that about? Mon- monks and, 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 and tonsures. And, and tonsures, which was, which were, which was, was, um, was banned by the Pope in 1972, but a sort of a ritual of, you know, shaving the head for spiritual purposes. Yeah. Um, I wonder when it stopped. And people, do people now keep hair? Funny you might say that, but when we had our, when we had our daughter's first haircut at a local uh, salon, yeah. um, one of the things that you got for your £10 was a photograph of said child in their chair, having their hair cut, and a lock of their hair ah. as a keepsake. So this tradition will, will continue. I've got a tooth, I've just realised. Um, uh, actually, my, my, I've got a tooth of my wife, <laughs> weirdly, uh, and, and of my kids. I've got, I've got their first teeth. I mean, my mum's got my first tooth. Um, but shortly after we were married, uh, my wife had a, her, one of her wisdom teeth out. And, right. and I, I kept it for wisdom and have it on my desk. And, it, and is this a sort of, is it a sort of, uh, a sort of formal object of memorialisation, do you, you know, of, of remembering? I just like the pun on wisdom. Right. I think. <laughs> wisdom it, tooth. Yes. It just made me smile every time I looked at this and it was a, it was a kind of, a, it, was a, it was a memory. So that's interesting. People it's do, very interesting. Do, do you still hold on to parts of each yeah. other? I have my, I have a pair of my wife's shoes oh, yeah. that, she wore, that she wore. Do you wear them? Or not? I don't wear them. They are, they're, in, they're in a box. They're in a memory box, and it, and it, it was the pair of a pair of red uh, snakeskin shoes that she wore uh, the first night we met and we danced together. Oh, wonderful! And I've and I've kept those. I'm yeah. I'm I'm, I'm very very sort of romantic. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, a, it's, a, it's a physical memory, right? Yeah. Okay, this is this is my big thing. Um, Haircuts. Goodness hair me, stars. what have you got? What have you got there? <laughs> what is going on what there? Is that? I, I nearly fell over when I saw this. It, it actually inspired me to spend five years of my life writing a book. Goodness me. What, uh, what date it? Uh, 1778. 1778. So, do you want me to describe, me to describe what it is? Yeah, June 1778. June 1778. So we have a rather buxom, well-dressed lady with incredibly ornate hair. And she seems to have. She's wearing on it high, her isn't head, she? <laughs> she seems to have a galleon. Yep. Uh, with three sails, uh, which seems to have been. And this is the, this is bigger than her head. It's like a sort of an enormous hat, and her hair seems to be woven into it. This is incredible. What is it, Sam? Well, um, this this is a hairstyle which took 
uh, Paris by storm in 1778. And it's called the Hair à la Belle Poule. And essentially, you've got a, you've got a very well-to-do, wealthy, fashionable... The key is fashionable. This woman cares about what she looks like. But she looks ridiculous um, with this... With this she, she has a ship, a model ship, under full sail on the top of her head. She looks I- extraordinary. Now, um, where would she have worn this? Well, that, that's the interesting thing. So if you, if you look at how the hair is kind of all bunched up around the, the portholes, the gun yep. ports, yep. the hair itself there looks like the sea. Yeah, and you've got these these kind of coiffured swells of of the sea going up and down um, on the side of the ship. So she would have worn those in very important society balls. Okay, right. So now you imagine you're in a room with two hundred people in it. Yeah, everyone's of a similar height. Yep, and ah. suddenly from across the room, you see as someone moves to and fro, they're talking, they're chatting to people. The ship on their head is like a involuntary theatrical display. So as she, as she moves, it's basically like a piece of performance art. Mm. And you see, you see the ship bobbing and moving like it was at sea, on a sea of heads. As she sails through the ballroom. She sails through the ballroom. So, what I love about this is... is Two things. One is that the, the 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 warship of the type she's got on her head is it's the very opposite of fashionable whimsy. Hmm. Okay, so states are spending vast amounts of their national budget on these things. They're using them to kind of symbolise empire all over the world. It's actually a massively important tool and weapon of statecraft. It's the opposite of fashionable whimsy. And, you know, what is going on there? It's also, this is happening in Paris ballrooms, and you can't get much further from the sea. So something obviously very significant has happened at sea to make this maritime life, which is cold, hard, masculine, violent, outdoors, come into the perfumed, cosy warmth of a female gathering in a Paris ballroom. And what's the significance of the date? You asked us to hold the date yes. in our mind. So um, this is the exact moment when the French officially come to the assistance of the Americans during the American Revolution. Uh-huh. So up to now, what's happened is that the, uh, the British have been fighting the Americans, the French have been covertly assisting them, sending them all sorts of gunpowder and diplomatic help. Um, but they have to show their hand at some point, and they do it in June 1778. Um, and uh, the captain of a ship, the Belle Poule, hence the name, is sent out into the English Channel to provoke the British into a fight. His job is to provoke the British into a fight, to make damn sure that the British fire first, which means the French can say they're defending themselves. It allows them to officially join the war. Um, so it's the first clash between the British and the, naval, and the French uh, navies in the War of the American Revolution. And the key thing is that the French did brilliantly... They didn't mm. take or destroy the British ship, but they absolutely knackered it. Um, and it was proof to the French that their policy of supporting the Americans was a good one, that they could hold their own in this big game of empires at sea. And everyone loved it. And that's why it became fashionable to associate yourself with, the, with American independence. 
So they're not just wearing it to associate themselves with the sea, they're actually associating themselves with what was the most fashionable thing at the time, because Benjamin Franklin was in Paris, the American Revolution and American independence. So it's the politicisation of hairstyles. Yes. This is quintessentially the domestic as political. Yes. Brilliant. And Brilliant. you can see how, it's, how it spreads through the world. Brilliant. Brilliant. Okay, um... I think we've gone from <laughs> from relics to baldness to patents to fashionable hairstyles and ballrooms all within the space of about 20-25 minutes. Fantastic, Sam. Well done, well done. Okay, um, everyone, thank you so much for listening. And remember, you are the most important part of this team, so get in touch with us on Twitter, Facebook, email. Give us your ideas. Let us know your stories about hair and history and of course suggest some other things that we can cover in our next podcasts thank you very much for listening bye goodbye